Morning, techno gremlins. As I was trying to frantically get all of your headlines into a document and then into a PDF and then up and available so I could pull them up so I didn't have to do this. Sorry, didn't mean to do that. Morning, everyone. Can I hear? What can I hear? I can hear the pitter-patter of a birthday girl's feet. She's in the bath. She's having a bath. She's had a nice cup of tea. I'm going to be indulging her all day today. Um, I thought it was because I was Russian and no one seems to understand what two ticks will mean. Two ticks. I'll be a tick. One tick. A tick. How long will you be? A tick. I suppose, yeah. Maybe it's... Now I'm saying it. It sounds bonkers. Maybe it was something my nan used to say. Two ticks. Yes, it's Nads' birthday. Happy birthday, Jodie. Thank you so much. If I conduct, can all of you now, from your, wherever you are, sing happy birthday to Nadia? Because I'm sure she'll feel it. So on your marks, one, two, three, go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear. Nadia, waddy, 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 Nadia, waddy, waddy, woo. Happy birthday to you. Some cards have arrived. We haven't opened them yet, but um, thank you so much. Very kind, very sweet. Uh, yes, Nat's birthday. And at 11.30 today, you've got an incredible... Well, Dina does Nadia's birthday in inimitable in fashion. Only Dina could, do it, could deliver love in the way that she delivers love. And it's loving, but she does it. She whacks it. She does it. She does it. Indeed, it is um, my birthday too on on Monday, so it's birthday central. So um, lots of fun and maybe not fun or maybe just calm. It's been a funny old few weeks, so maybe a bit of calm. Calm. How are we all? I hope you well. It's incredibly dark here, which is why I've had to pop this light on over there. Ticks is the same as saying a sec. Absolutely, two ticks of the clock. I think that's what it means. Jen's Market. Happy birthday, Nads. Hope you enjoy your day. Bish, bash, bosh. Have you been watching Married at Versailles? We watched the final... Well, it's not the final episode, but we watched the final dinner party, was it? What do they call them? Dinner party? Yeah, dinner party. Um, crikey. If no one's seen it, spoiler alert, am I right or am I wrong? But has the chap with the... I don't know, the, the sort of, the chat with the Scottish lady, I forget his name, Jordan, is it? Has he actually done anything wrong? I can't work out if he's, uh, it seems like a, it seems like he's been staged. It's been, he's been framed. Does anyone else think that? It feels like he's been framed by the other boys. And hasn't the posh boy, the posh chap, hasn't he come out of himself? And hasn't, haven't his pecs just become bigger and bigger? Jordan. I don't think he says, but he did lie. What did he lie about? She lent in. I think they're splitting hairs. I think I think it's uh, I think I think, I think he's I think he's on the ropes, but I don't necessarily think for the right reasons. Reese and the great gratitude about birthdays. If you're blessed to grow older, is that you begin to often celebrate for people who haven't been able to reach that age. That's exactly what Nad says. Uh, I think in the Sunday in the curly cooks. You know, when you, when one moans and groans, that's a really good point, and says, "Oh God, I'm whatever age." Nadia says this, it's a really good point, Reese. you've said it. Pause for those who haven't reached for that age. That's the thing. Joni, love Paul, 
He's, he's and oh my God, we adore him. What about the moment, Joni, in uh, Married at First Sight where he, he wasn't going to take no shit from nobody? Whoever the chap, I can't remember any of their names. What was the name of the chap? I think he was of Polish descent who um, is married to the posh girl and he said something and he, poor, poor I don't you watch you, I'll have you. But he didn't say it like that. Posh, posh, but decent. And I loved his chat with that lady whose eyes get wider and wider. And I can't work out if that's whether she's addicted to, you know, what, <laughs> toys. I mean, I'd look that wide-eyed given the amount of bloody stuff that was going on there. Arthur. Arthur. I feel sorry for Arthur. Well, hang on. How can we talking about Married at First Sight? This is gonna be, I'm enjoying it. I'll go with it. I'll roll with it. We're going to roll with it. We're going to pick some plums. We're going to pick this up. <laughs> Delivers eloquently. He's, a char- he's not a charmer, because a charmer suggests it's not authentic. He's charming, and he's fair, and he's firm. And it makes you wonder, why the hell hasn't he got a girlfriend? There you go. Um, so, yeah, Arthur. I felt sorry for Arthur. I felt sorry for Arthur. I really did. Anyway, good morning. Let's get this down the hatch. Lots of odd stories today. Obviously, we're going to go en route, uh, en route via... Obviously, the, the, the story that, and the news that is obviously occupying so many people's minds and souls and hearts, um, I, we've kind of sought to kind of, you know, hem, if you like, uh, chat and talk and discussion and analysis of the Israel-Palestine crisis. It's of huge significance and probably more significance to us as a family because of our connections, obviously, with the Middle East. We have Palestinian relatives. We have... Uh, members of the family who who themselves back in the 1970s were forced to move and, and leave um, leave Palestine. We also have, obviously, Nadia's dad is Jordanian. They're from Bedouin descent, which is a nomadic people of the Arab region. So, you know, the sense of connection is real. It's funny because people go, oh, why is, why is Nadia? Just look at Nadia's surname. It's a big, big clue. It's a big clue. Um, so, so obviously we do talk about it slightly more and we have also, um, as I say, in, in previous sort of weekly coffee mornings, we've kind of parked it at the end. I'm going to go through the headlines and obviously the headlines in the papers, they move through the serious, through to the, through to the silly. And so I am going to move through the serious. So we're going to do a sort of catch up on where things are somewhat at with the Israel, uh, Palestine conflict. So thousands attend. I wanted to lead with this. Thousands attend funeral of the Israeli hostage uh, found dead. Um, And obviously this is the tragic news of uh, the body that the Israeli army says they found uh, near Al-Shifa hospital. And it's a reminder, it's a reminder of the two sides of this. It's a reminder of uh, the innocents that were caught up in October the 7th and how they mustn't be forgotten. You know, I think a lot of the if you like, fierce debate and fierce disagreement and discussion and chat has been around strategy, tactics, and also when you can sort of pull away from the immediate emotional trauma of not only October the 7th, but also October the 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, and all the other dates that have come subsequent to that for Palestine, uh, and also all of the dates before October the 7th that have come for Palestine and Israel, um, it's about strategy, isn't it? It's about it's about approach. It's about whether it's proportionate and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, I'm just gonna. Uh, this is uh, the IDF. Uh, hang on a minute. Where have all my stories got? Hang on, have I got? 
Oh, that's on here. Uh, IDF. Yes. Yeah, so these are a couple of other headlines. IDF, Israeli Defense will struggle to show evidence of Hamas tunnels beneath hospital. Um, there's increasing evidence online, just to, to say, obviously, there was evidence of uh, guns and, and, and what have you. But there is a growing feeling, I think, that, uh, and you don't have to look too far um, on uh, social media output, but not just social media output, the BBC too, and various other news gathering organizations. You know, a lot of the news that's being allowed out of uh, Gaza is only sanctioned by the Israeli Defense Force. And I think it's really important to say that um, because, you know, um, one has to, you know, take it in good faith and as we know, this is a, a conflict in which there's not an enormous amount of good faith on either side. So um, IDF struggles to show evidence of Hamas tunnels. Um, and uh, so this, this this is creeping through, which kind of marks two, two rather annoying sort of frustrating developments to this. The war is going to go south. Um, and, uh, you know, if they don't find any evidence of Hamas tunnels, then, of course, they have to shift their emphasis and kind of um, you know, because really it's been a sort of mainstay, hasn't it, that, um, that, you know, Hamas hiding within these hospitals is a justification for hitting them. There's also some evidence I'm noting coming up on some social media, which shows um, purported evidence of, of uh, um, the missile hit on the original hospital. Do you remember the original hospital hit uh, for which there was all of that sort of uh, contention and drama? Um, again, you know, the fog of war, as, as someone once said, um, you know, the first casualty of war is truth. And I think we are really feeling that. The problem, the problem, and I just think this is something that needs to, uh, well, there was evidence of an Israeli, they, they, were, they were using an Israeli laptop to suggest um, as evidence of a sort of Hamas, um, you know, intelligence center and a, and, a, and a laptop that was used for, you know, kind of military exercise. And apparently when they uploaded it originally, it was there was a, there was an Israeli soldier's screensaver or something on it. Um, so they had to pull it down quite quickly. So there's clearly a lot of manufacturing of evidence and truth. It happens on both sides. This isn't a one sided thing, but I think one has to absolutely. BBC was showing how the IDF has only be manipulated the reality and what they showed the BBC reporter. I think what's slightly concerning about this, this happens all the time. And don't get me wrong, this this will happen. This will be happening on both sides of the equation. You know, the other day Hamas said we didn't hit any civilians. I mean, what an absolute load of nonsense. I mean, it's, it's ludicrous, isn't it? And so I think if one kind of comes at this from an equitable position, obviously of the two forces, Israel has the upper hand. It's quite apparent, isn't it? I mean, they're all over Gaza now. So um, and they can control the narrative. And it's that classic thing, isn't it, within a row or within a narcissistic relationship of controlling the narrative. And I think it's just important that when you receive the news and you see the headlines, um, you look for when a headline is, has things in quotes, for example. Um, so, for example, I think even here, um, IDF struggles to show evidence. Okay, that's not in quotes. Israel urged to stop using water as weapon of war. And what that means is someone else has said that. And this is the United Nations Relief and Works Agency for Palestinian refugees. Um, by all accounts, a bulldozer hit the main water supply to um, to the hospital, um, Al Shifa Hospital, uh, which led to I know two or three casualties simply through a lack of water. So you know, war can happen without weaponry. I mean, siege is about kind of stopping major supplies getting through and, and such like, isn't it? Um, so I think just take 
your headlines with a pinch of salt. But I think, you know, the important reminder is just as we're seeing all of the awful imagery and, and just, I mean, just awful imagery of what's happening to um, the Palestinians, it, it is also important to remember that obviously, you know, again, here's another photograph of the, the mother of the Israeli soldier Corporal Noah Marciano. Uh, she'd, uh, you know, had tragically, uh, she was tragically taken as, as a hostage. And this is, she's the one whose body, as I just said a minute ago, was found. And, you know, you know, there's a lot of debate and there's a lot of conflict and there's a lot of upset amongst um, the families of the hostages. Now, don't get me wrong, some of the families of the hostages just want Israel to go in and absolutely destroy the place. Um, other other families of hostages absolutely don't. Um, I also uh, understand that uh, Israel and Palestine have got close to releasing fifty refugee, uh, fifty refugee, fifty hostages, um, and then it's, it's quite it's unclear as to why that deal kind of broke down. So there there is a lot happening behind the scenes for sort of prison swaps and things like that. Um, yeah, so um, these images are, are, are disturbing. Um, uh, hang on, where are they? Da, 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 da. Yeah, these images here. These are images of um, someone called Avu, Avu Pankasov, uh, who arrived at a party um, in, I think, in, was it was in Gaza or... Da, 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 da. No, uh, an outpost in northern Israel. This was a sort of party in which soldiers... And him all danced and sort of cheered. And, you know, I think the problem with this kind of footage, and this, this isn't just this kind of footage. There's a lot of kind of TikTok footage and Instagram footage and what have you. We're going to talk about Sasha Baron Cohen in a moment and TikTok. But there is a lot of footage knocking about that kind of shows a certain disregard uh, on the Israeli Defense Forces side. Now, to be fair, these troops have been carpeted for their behavior. Um, so, so, you know, it's been picked up and they've been punished. Uh, reservists rioted and played with their weapons. So they've been temporarily suspended from operational activity. But what I, what I think this kind of stuff suggests to all of us and to the world is that, you know, the argument of self-defense as a, as a sole explanation for the relentless bombardment, I think has faded. I, I don't think you would have images like this if we were in a state of self-defense. I think we're in a different place now. So, and I think it's really important. Someone was saying, it was an ordinary person was saying about on the radio yesterday, a sort of punter, it wasn't a specialist, that's what I mean by an ordinary person, was saying about the, the term ceasefire. To call a ceasefire, which obviously the argument back is, call a ceasefire, Hamas will attack. No, the, 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 point, the point of calling a ceasefire isn't that Israel suddenly doesn't have puts down its weapons and, and suddenly is vulnerable again. I mean, I don't think Israel is going to be vulnerable again to the kind of attack that happened the other, you know, last month um, for a long, long time, are they? They're going to be, they're going to have their wits about them. And I don't think given the infrastructure destruction, I don't think that could be mounted in any way, shape or form. So I think, I think, you know, a ceasefire of some form is not, uh, uh, you know, a sort of a green light to kind of, you know, encourage more aggression. It just isn't. It's, these images are just just suggest that there's you know the the contrast of imagery is just stark, isn't it? Jumping around and enjoying yourself versus just constant constant loss of life. So I think we just need to bear that in mind. Um, the other story that's running is Sasha Baron Cohen, Deborah Messing, I think Amy Schumer as well. Um, you know the idea that TikTok. Um, this is this is an issue with TikTok around uh, the TikTok sort of algorithm. 
Sasha, Sasha Baron Cohen has accused TikTok of creating the biggest anti-Semitic movement since the Nazis. As the video app battles allegations, it's fostering a flood of abuse against Jews. This is the danger. The dangers, there are the, there are the extremities of social media where you can't control what's being posted and the algorithm will only generate. I mean, there's a huge issue happening at X, formerly Twitter, with lots and lots of major institutions pulling their advertising off of Twitter because of if you like, the freedom of speech allowing extremist opinions. I think there's what's dangerous and tricky with all of this is where do you draw the line between um, extremism or what one person's perception of extremism is? For example, one person's ex- uh, you know perception of what could be called race hate. If you're simply being critical of, say, Israel's governmental policy, that isn't race hate. That's being critical of a government's policy and strategy. Um, so, so yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's a really big rumbling story there where a number of Hollywood and, you know, I mean, you've got to close it down. If the feeling is, is absolutely that there's this algorithmic push towards one side of the equation, Islamophobic or, or, or anti-Semitic, it needs, how do we deal with it? We need to deal with it. Um, this is a, again, another chilling shot. Uh, this is a, an image of Israeli tanks drew a huge star of David in the soil during an impromptu ceremony in the parade ground of a Hamas base. Uh, This is claimed to be in memory of their comrades who've been killing since the beginning of the fighting. I think, again, the problem with this, the problem with this is it looks like the invading force has got time on their hands and leisure time, whereas... Families and entire communities don't even have water. It's not a good look. It's not a good look. You know, and that's, that, that image there, curiously, is in the Telegraph. It's in the Telegraph. I think it's a really important point. Cass R mentions Israel is the only fundamentally... You can be... Is, there's no... Unfortunately, there's no contradiction necessarily between you can be as a sort of Israeli... Jewish Zionist and a white supremacist. I mean, there's a lot of chat in a lot of places from a lot of people talking about how, you know, the other sort of category of person that seems to be at the helm of this isn't Israeli, because we know so many Israelis and so many Jewish Israelis are, are against the strategy. It's it's white men in power. <laughs> white heterosexual men in power. You know, that seems to be the other category of of what's defining the, if you want, oppressors, if you like. But I just think these images of idle fun and time and space to draw stars in the, you know, uh, you know, stars in the in in the rubble is it's not good. I just think it's not good. Um, stand, to stand with Palestine is to stand with humanity. Um, yeah. Standing in stark contrast, and uh, another reminder here, Star says TikTok is anti-Jewish movement. Uh, it'll be curious to know how that can be controlled. I mean, I suppose any yeah, any hate speak, any extremism has to be dealt with. Okay, so that's, that's Israel, Israel and Palestine for today. Um, uh, this, is, this is tragic. This Wayne's, this is, do you remember Wayne's World? Uh, Wayne's World, Dave Car. Uh, sorry, Wayne's World star Dana Carvey's son Dex died of an accidental drug overdose. I saw this story break in the week, and um, I didn't recognise the. I didn't recognise uh, Dana Carvey. Dana, is it Dana? Dana? Dana Carvey? Anyway, tragic news. Um, 
Some Dex was found in a bathroom at his LA home on Wednesday. Uh, by all accounts, it was an accidental overdose. Um, just tragically sad. So that's um, no Tony Dunsford. I don't think it was a good idea. Dana, thank you. Dana. Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey. Um, and I think his son Dex was, uh, like him, moving into uh, stand-up, stand-up comedy, which is that's tragically sad. Um, Britons spend $80 billion a year on junk food, alcohol, and tobacco. Isn't this, isn't this astonishing? This makes you realise why there's a tug of war in any capitalist society, isn't there, between the cost of running the NHS and all of the kind of consequences of all this kind of drinking, eating, smoking. Um, but then there's the firms making money out of it. Um, so firms are earning $53 billion a year from UK sales of tobacco, junk food, and excessive alcohol. Um, the figures have prompted a coalition of health, medical, and children's organizations to demand an urgent crackdown on the irresponsible uh, promotion uh, and behavior of health-harming industries. Um, quite, quite remarkable what we, what we spend. Uh, NHS hospitals admit more than a million people a year for diseases directly linked to being overweight. Um, uh, the study shows that 289,000 people are unable to work through the effects of smoking. Um, sales of unhealthy foods that breach the government guidelines earn the industry 34.2 billion. I, I, the reason I pulled that is just a reminder that we, you know, we have this strange sort of codependence, don't we? I mean, if you removed unhealthy food and un unhealthy eating from the equation, the entire economy would go kaboom. Wouldn't it? I don't buy neither, says Ellery Jones. Mm. Oh, that was good. Um, but whereas coffee, you know, good coffee, well, coffee helps you live longer. Cultural vandalism. Whilst the world is falling apart and people are going through hell, only in the UK could you have a, an organisation called the Apostrophe Protection Society. I kid you not. Cultural fact, villagers get their way over street sign. Look at this chap. He doesn't look troubled by an enormous number of things, does he? The Apostrophe Protection Society has a page on its website dedicated to misplaced, omitted, or extraneous apostrophes. It began with a grumble from a retired teacher passionate about punctuation, uh, 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 and it sort of mushroomed into the huge debate and fight with the local council. Uh, until finally, residents of St. Mary's Terrace in Twyford um, managed to get an apostrophe for their... Did, would it bother you if there should be an apostrophe in your street name? Would that get to you? I, I was just staggered. The Apostrophe Protection Society. Do, I mean, do you think they go around the country looking for missing apostrophes? <laughs> Faith Goodman, you're absolutely right. I mean, in a weird way, it's unfair to sit this alongside all of the seriousness of everything else. You know, he may well, before the taking of that photo, have been absolutely, you know, traumatised by everything that's going on in the world. But also, he's, in, he's quite slavishly attached to apostrophes. Who finds apostrophes quite intimidating? On this note, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about um, punctuation that scares people. Grammatarians, Joni, I like that. Punctuation that scares people, the semicolon, the colon. The apostrophe is a tricky one. Before or after the S, does it belong? Does it not belong? Does it belong to you? Does it not belong to you? All that kind of stuff. Um, this is a curious headline. 
Natasha Milchin, I'm with him. Um, wash, wiggle and wag. No, that's not a description of what Nance is going to be doing today. <laughs> this is, in fact, oh, look there, look at her, there, Danielle Late. Uh, she's being sued by her former business partner, partner um, over, uh, over the use of the name of their business. Wash, wiggle and war as rival dog groomers go to court over a name. Um, vicious online smear campaign. Um, it's, it's curious, isn't it? I think, I think um, uh, barbers, hairdressers, and pet groomers. There's there's the most fun to be had with a with a with a title, isn't there? With a with the name of your business. But uh, yeah, wash, wiggle, and wash, wiggle, and wash, wiggle, and wag. Yeah, I don't know. I, I personally wouldn't want to be fighting to use that name. I don't know. All right, who's who's an advent calendar fan? Let's get to Christmas advent calendars. Have you got your advent calendars yet? Has anyone got one? What makes a good advent calendar? Chocolate? Toys? Unknowability? Two-dimensional boredom? What? What makes a good advent calendar? Well, church calendar opens door to real Christmas. Advent calendars are full of chocolate, tea, whiskey, or even socks these days. Uh, but the Church of England has lamented launching its own first brand version to teach children the real meaning of Christmas. I think this is a good idea. Follow the star. Follow the, follow the, what does, what does it say? Follow the yonder star. Follow the yonder star. There's something quite satisfying about opening a door. I mean, I remember as a kid, you'd open the flap and just if there was like a badly drawn printed image of a fire with a, with a sock, I'd be excited. But one that tells you the story of Advent, I think that's a good thing. But I also want one full of chocolate too. Follow the yellow, oh, follow the yonder. Was I doing follow the yellow brick road? Oh, silly me. Um, yeah, well, there you go. It doesn't look, it, I have to say, it doesn't look very exciting, does it? It doesn't look like a Cadbury's one though, doesn't it? Children's brains are not harmed by more screen time. I just wanted to share that. Look, there's a good example of a headline. No one's claiming that other than whoever's been quoted. And who's been quoted? Um, this is the Oxford Internet Institute. Well, they're not gonna think anything else, are they? Children's brains are not harmed by screen time. There is no evidence that screen time harms children's thinking abilities. It harms mine. D this is good. I like this one. DNA to track down dog owners who leave a mess behind. This is a council that, uh, oh, this is in Edinburgh. Owners are required to, could be required to register their dogs with the council and the council will take swabs of the dog's bottoms. I wouldn't want that job, would you, to wipe a dog's ass to, to enter into the DNA swab laboratory um, uh, register. And then if you your dog takes a dump and you don't pick it up, someone could come along with a swab, with a, I don't know, what, with an earbud, shove it in the poo, put it in the machine and go, your dog took a shit and you didn't pick it up. Eh? What saith you? DNA to track dog owners who leave mess behind i think that's good mind you that said i don't i don't often see dog poo in the streets do you remember the 70s you'd pick it up because it was white and hard and throw it well no we wouldn't literally pick it up but you'd kick it about you'd kick it about um i like that what do you think i think that's forensic poo police junior joni i love it sailors play heavy metal tracks to avoid killer whale attacks <laughs> this this is this is yeah this is funny this is um 
They play Ozzy Osbourne, apparently. Uh, sailors are blasting heavy metal music to ward off killer whales. I, I think the bigger question is, why are killer whales suddenly attacking boats? Do killer whales know something? What, what would we do if in a weird twist of fate, like something like um, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the meaning of life wasn't 43 or whatever it was, but alien life had always been there in the form of a killer whale. And now they turned on us. And they literally marched up the Thames and just started to slice us into pieces. Well, what they're trying to do at sea is they're playing the music of Ozzy Osbourne to try and combat them. Um, killer whale scared witless by Aussie tunes. That would scare the shit. He looks like a killer whale, doesn't he? Does anyone else think there's something really sort of like, although he's doing like, like a roaring face there, does, does anyone else just want to sort of, sort of grab it like a pug and just go, I do. Des O'Connor's daughter, uh, daughter's vow over cop who called her hawk. I, what do you think of this? Des O'Connor's daughter vowed to keep fighting for justice after losing a case detect, against a detective who called her hot. Um, she found the, the um, officer predatory and abusive. Um, weird, isn't it? It ruled that da, 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 a misconduct panel found that the officer who resigned uh, had deliberately and repeatedly abused his position for a sexual purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know whether he said it when she was walking. I can't get to the bottom of whether he said it when she was walking past. Not. I just thought that was a curious one, isn't it? Uh, it doesn't say where. What do you think? Listen to the Osborne's podcast. It's brilliant, says Grace Ann Martin. Okay, we'll do. Uh, Debrett's new phone rules. Do you want to know what's in, what's out, what you should and shouldn't do? Okay. You should always send a text message before calling. Let's read through them. Uh, don't expect unannounced calls to be answered. Never answer. Do you answer? Who here answers a call if it's if you're not prepared for it? If it's just sometimes I do. Actually, that's not true. Don't repeatedly redial an unanswered phone. Follow an unanswered call with a text rather than do not follow. An unanswered, follow an unanswered call with a text. Oh, no, follow an unanswered call with a text rather than a voicemail. Okay. Remember that some people, especially if they're young, can find unexpected calls alarming. Does anyone else get that moment where the phone rings? You go, <gasps> and then you calm down and think it's a phone. Uh, withdraw from a call if a person seems flustered at receiving one out of the blue, usually because they're, they're probably taking a poo. Who's it, who, who here takes a phone call on the toilet? Be tolerant if an older caller leaves you a voicemail rather than a more convenient text message. But don't be tolerant if they leave you a three-minute sound from their pocket, which you don't want to listen to in case they say something about you, but you can't help but listen to. You know what I'm saying. Don't multitask while on a call. <laughs> Nads. Uh, don't have calls on loudspeaker in public places. Nads. Don't send texts of condolence. I don't know about that one because sometimes people don't want to be put on the spot, I think. Don't answer if I don't know the number, says Becky Fithian. Um, chef tried to strangle colleague uh, in row over potato croquettes. You can see why I pulled this. I'm not laughing at it. I'm not finding it lighthearted. I'm not, I'm not dismissing it. But this is, this is actually a row between two chefs over potato croquettes culminated in an attempted strangulation inside the restaurant of an upmarket Victorian hotel. 
Uh, Rashim Salim, 35, was handed an 18-month community sentence after he grabbed his colleague by the throat and punched him three times in the face. Apparently, it started with a potato fight. They were throwing them at each other, and it got out of hand. It became a total mashup. Sorry. Get your kit on. Go jogging to boost sex. Uh, that could be why in about five minutes I'm going to go for a jog. It is my birthday, too. Uh, forget oysters and champagne. Going for a run could be a major aphrodisiac for couples wanting to improve their sex life. Unless you trip or twist your ankle, in which case it really isn't. But if you do go for a jog, come straight home and have some ginger tea. Uh, ginger could spice up your sex life, a study res- suggests. Researchers found that people who eat more of the fiery root have a higher libido and get lucky more often. I have, and I think you all know this, I've been drinking ginger beer for the last five years. And I have a smile on my face. I've always liked stem ginger too. Good God. I run and I and I drink ginger. Ginger Rogers. It's a good headline, eh? Root spices up sex. Clever, clever headline. Free woolly too. Give it five years. We're going to be walking amongst mammoths. Oh yes, woolly mammoths. I want I know I know we shouldn't fiddle about with nature, but I'm afraid I do. I want to stroke a woolly mammoth. I want to look one in the eyes and I want to say, what's it like back there, mate? What's it like? I do. I just want to say that to him. Um, Yeah. So boffs will bring back mammoths within five years. Um, I just like this photograph. I think, I don't know. I just, I like flamingos. I just think they're funny. They're funny and they're strange. Um, This is good. This is a cartoon in the times. Don't forget I'm a celebrity starts. There's Nigel Farage with a fag in his mouth, wedged in his cavity. And uh, look, all the cockroaches are coming out, but they're saying, I'm a cockroach, get me out of here. <laughs> That's kind of a funny reversal, me. Um, and this image is astonishing, Mum. This is one for you. Bird of prey. Two things to note about this. One, the dog is either, well, totally distant. I mean, most dogs would be looking at that, or maybe he's scared. And the eagle that's looking through the window, um, it's a golden eagle. It's a golden eagle in the garden looking through the window. What about that? What? But look at the way it's looking. Look at its eyes. It's got the eyes of my grandfather. My grandfather could look like that. Um, and this is the sad news that the stop frame, pl- is it the plasticine? Um, the, yeah, the one company that supplies the modelling clay to, to Ardman Animations is, is closing down. Uh, Newplast factory closes, which is making people wonder, could that be the end of Wallace and Gromit? I think not. I think not. But, uh, but yeah, oh, I love Wallace and Gromit. But isn't that an astonishing image? Anyway, thank you very much. So huge happy birthdays to Nadia. Uh, the Curly Cooks is going to be landing in 15 minutes. That's good timing. Um, and it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. And it, Dina's in control and it's fun. And it's, well, it's just fun. I mean, I don't know how much more I could say. I hate the word fun, but now I've just said it's fun. So it's fun. Anyway, have a lovely day, guys. Lots of love. And for any movie fans, a review of Dream Scenario, the new Nick Cage film, will be landing later today.